Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network alongside producer John Seymour. I'm your host, Tim McKernan, and we are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Usually we uh, drop new sods on Thursday uh, with questions from the audience, and we'll continue to do that. It's the runaway hit of the podcast season. Um, and, of course, we have our new interviews every Monday uh, but uh, this week, uh, we called an audible. The Sea Monster said, uh, wouldn't it be good to get Tony Messenger in with all of the news going on locally with the governor and also with Josh Hawley, the attorney general, uh, who will likely be running in November against Claire McCaskill for the U.S. Senate. And then also we've had a lot of discussion on the, the county merger uh, with the city and where that stands. A lot of people ask about it. We certainly discuss it. And so uh, we thought it was a good time to have Tony Messenger in, the columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and uh, get his perspective on all of those pieces of news. We kind of get into a civic discussion along with a uh, St. Louis-slash-Missouri topical discussion with uh, what I just discussed at the open here. So you have all of that coming your way with Tony Messenger, and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. So hopefully you will enjoy it. As well, we thank Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com, for his support of the program and his sponsorship of the studios on the Tim McKernan Show. He says experts are predicting that in 2018, the purchase market will be even hotter than 2017. There are going to be a lot more buyers than sellers. It is very important that you are working with the right lender. If you're even considering buying a house, get pre-approved today with a strong mortgage lender. A pre-approval letter from the home loan expert is like gold. Give yourself an advantage over all the other people looking to buy a home in this crazy market. Go to the homeloanexpert.com today and get pre-approved. It's the homeloanexpert.com, a company I can personally vouch for and I recommend if you are going to be buying a home or if you are refinancing, go online at the homeloanexpert.com. And without further ado, here he is, the columnist from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Tony Messenger. How the heck are you, Timmy? It's great to see you. Last time we were on the golf course together. We were, and uh, we spent a lot of time chasing my balls and <laughs> looking for my balls. It's it not was like not, I was uh, performing admirably either. You know, I think I hit one good shot. <laughs> that's, that's all the, you that's, need out of about 95. That's the key to golf. This is, this is why people like me still golf. For you the go one play shot. nine holes, you play 18 holes, you suck the whole round, you end up with an awful score. But you hit that one shot, and you're driving home, and you're like, 
you know, if I could just do that again. <laughs> I mean, that was really a good shot. Boy, that was, you know, that was, if it weren't for the five shots before that, that would have been a birdie. That was just really <laughs> awesome. If I could just repeat that maybe one more time. And so you come back out again and you put up with it again. And, you know, who knows? We'll see how... uh See if I play a little bit more of this next week. Well, we'll have to uh, get out there again. People can hear you. You are on KTRS with McGraw-Millhaven, correct? On yes, on Tuesdays re- and uh, Thursday mornings, usually around 8.15, 8.20 or so for uh, 10, 15 minutes. How much of your conversations with McGraw over the last week or two have focused on the governor? Quite a bit. Yeah, I would Quite imagine, a bit. I, Quite a bit. I mean, so. pretty much everything, uh, you know, when when a governor gets caught in an affair slash potential blackmail slash uh, investigatory, you know, criminal investigation scandal. Um, it sucks the life out of, out of everything. It's, it's what, uh, you know, makes my life easy because it, it, it touches so many different things. It touches every bit of public policy at the state level and, and even, you know, down below, you know, just sort of politics in general. Mm -hmm. So, um, lots of Eric Greitens talk in the last couple of days, last couple of weeks. What, are you hearing from readers? Because oftentimes uh, you certainly are the target of criticism. The comment section is a wonderful, wonderful place. If you're ever feeling really good about the world to go read and, br- <laughs> and bring and bring you down immediately. Yep. Uh, but it seems like when I do delve into there, it seems like, God, I don't know, 80 to 90 percent. I feel like that might even be low are against the governor. The The fascinating thing for me in terms of my feedback um, with one exception of a letter to the editor the other day that said that I need more agape love in my life. It seems like I hate the governor and, and I need to. This is a, a word from my old Catholic education. Yes, apparently, I was about to say. Like, like unconditional love. I, I, apparently, I need to agape Governor Greitens a little <laughs> bit more. Um, frankly, if uh, Governor Greitens would agape a little bit less, maybe some of this wouldn't have happened. But the the overwhelming response from politicians, from readers, from people in the in the atmosphere. I was at my son's baseball practice the other day and guys were talking about it, which is fascinating because normally when I'm at my kids' practices, we don't talk politics. I live in West County and I assume that most of the people, you know, surrounding my kids' sports don't necessarily have the 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 politics that you sometimes see in my column. But as it relates to this story with this governor, He's getting virtually no support. I'm not getting email pushback. I'm not getting uh, politicians calling me up. I'm not getting much in terms of social media pushback. And it's because he's all alone. And it's not just the affair. It's not just the, the titillating details, the alleged blackmail, his silence for several days before now he's starting to answer some questions, but still refusing to answer one of the key questions. Did he take a picture of her uh, without her knowledge? It's the fact that this governor ran a campaign in which he was all alone. He was attacking the very party that he chose to run under, the Republican Party. He was attacking state lawmakers and then continued to do so during his first legislative session. And and not just in sort of a typical, uh, you know, they're corrupt and, and, and I'm the good guy. It was constant barrage of because of his military background, he views politics as I have to have an enemy and I have to destroy that enemy. A lot of people view politics as the art of compromise. 
I, I need to get to this success, and to get to this success, I need to gather a coalition of people, maybe mostly Republicans, maybe mostly Democrats, maybe both. This governor practices politics different, and so he has left this battlefield in which everybody's a casualty and nobody's got his back. And so you don't see any Republicans, any Democrats, uh, with the exception of, of one or two outliers uh, that I see out there on social media, um, you don't see anybody supporting the governor right now. And it's not just the details of the affair. It's the way he has practiced politics. He has angered so many people that otherwise might give him the benefit of the doubt or might uh, uh, traditionally say, look, he made a mistake, but now we're going to you know, move forward on our Missouri agenda. Uh, and on top of that, he has next to no media friends. He's treated the media as the enemy as well. And with the exception of a couple of radio guys who will give him softball interviews, he, he doesn't develop any sort of traditional relationships with the media as other politicians do. Even, even when they're sometimes, you know, critical, I have lots of politicians that I've written about over the years, critically supportive, whatever, that I have relationships with. They don't always like what I write, but we, we continue the relationship because that's part of what's necessary to succeed in politics. Mm -hmm. And Governor Greitens doesn't have any of that right now. So it's been at the point of this conversation, uh, two plus weeks since the story broke. Um, where does it stand now? I it a couple of different things. So in terms of we we have a circuit attorney Kim Gardner in the city of St. Louis who has said I'm opening a criminal investigation into allegations of blackmail, allegations of. Uh, taking a photo without a person's uh, uh, will, which is a, a violation of a privacy statute, um, into <clears throat> allegations of, of anything that might be criminal related to this affair. There was enough information out there that, that she thought there's potential for a crime to be uh, uh, broken. There were lawmakers who asked the attorney general to look into it, Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley said, not my purview, and Kim Gardner said, I'll do it. So we know there is... A criminal investigation. No idea whether or not it's going to go anywhere, um, but but that raises questions. CNN has reported uh, that FBI agents have made inquiries looking into things related to Governor Greitens, and State Senator Rob Schaff uh, uh, was quoted in the Post Dispatch saying that he has spoken to FBI agents about the governor's use of dark money, where he basically takes donations, puts it into uh, his a new Missouri committee in a way that voters, citizens, reporters, we can't see who's trying to influence him. Now, that doesn't mean that there's an FBI investigation. It just means that FBI agents have been asking some questions of folks surrounding the governor, maybe unrelated to the affair, maybe not. I don't know. But we know there's a criminal investigation. The governor has now given uh, uh, two weeks into it uh, a few select interviews. Uh, he gave about 18 minutes to the Associated Press and interestingly – because this is relatively unusual for the Associated Press, they posted uh, the audio of their interview with the governor online. 
And it's interesting in how he dances around the question about the photograph. He, he doesn't directly answer the question about the photograph in that interview. He's given uh, a radio interview and a TV interview. And he did answer some questions at his budget news conference yesterday. So my suspicion based on how much this governor dislikes the press and that part of interplay uh, with the media, except for when it's a friendly interview on Fox and Friends, he's he's done talking about this um, to the extent that he can. I don't think the questions are going to end. Um, there may or may not be more information that comes out, but there's an investigation going on. And generally, as an investigation is going on, more information will come out. Keep in mind, he's also facing an attorney general in- investigation into the use of his of of the app Confide, which destroys text messages. That's potentially a violation of state open records law. That's why the attorney general uh, is investigating. And he faces a private lawsuit filed by two St. Louis attorneys, Mark Pedroli and Ben Sansone, over the use of that Confide app in which they seek an injunction against the governor or his staff members from using that app because it also indicates, you know, the lawsuit indicates this is potentially a violation of both records retention laws and sunshine law. And so that's a lot of clouds over the governor right now. In the meantime, the legislative session's going on. He just released his budget, which calls for $70 million in cuts to higher education. A lot of people are angry about that. This is the from the from the political standpoint, this is where the rubber meets the road. When you have scandal as a cloud over your office and you have legal issues over as a cloud over your office, two things happen. It it negates your agenda for two reasons. One, nobody's willing to stand up and go to bat for you Mm -hmm. because they don't know how this is going to turn and they don't want to be touched by the taint of Greitens right now. Uh, and number two, your staff is working full time on scandal. What can we do to get this affair thing to go away? How do we make this investigation go away? What do we do about confide? We're going to have to go to court. We're going to have depositions. We're going to have all of these sorts of things going on. And that really limits your ability to get anything done. They should be on the ground trying to get lawmakers to support their budget and support their uh, their agenda to the extent that there is one. They don't have time to do that because they're dealing with all of this this cloud cover of of scandal. Uh, that really makes a situation where you have a governor who, at least right now, is a little bit of a lame duck. And he's a year in. To he's a year in. He's a year in, and he spent almost that entire year trying to run for president rather than running the state. And that's the problem. Now, the presidency, forget that. I mean, that's 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 a distant dream, if not dead. Now he's got to be the governor. Now he's got to run the state, but he's got to do so under the 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 taint of scandal, under the cloud of of criminal and other legal investigation. That's really hard to do. And particularly in a state where the economy is still not that good, where the previous Republican tax cuts are starting to negate revenue coming into the state. They're not making Missouri great again, so to speak. They're making it more difficult for lawmakers to actually meet the budget, pay bills, pay taxpayers their their tax refunds. The the governor's budget that he put forward yesterday 
actually calls for a $250 million loan to be taken out so that the state can afford to pay taxpayers more quickly when their refunds come in. That's a real tell as to what the state of the budget is in Missouri. $70 million being cut from higher ed, not a whole lot of, of, of money going into uh, you know K-12 education and roads and transportation. And meanwhile, we got to take a loan to pay our bills. All of that... None of that is particularly good news, and and you, you have to deal with that while you have this cloud of, of investigation over you. What do you think winds up happening with him? It's, it's, it's hard to say, uh, other than the fact that I, I don't think this governor— there were some calls for resignation fairly quickly, um, and they weren't unreasonable. There have been other Missouri politicians tainted with similar scandals that resigned fairly quickly— Former Speaker John Deal for uh, a, a sexting scandal with an intern. Uh, former State Rep Don Gosen from from Wildwood uh, for having an affair. Um, you know, similar type things, and uh, they resigned. And they were asked by the House to resign, and they did so fairly quickly. I don't see this governor resigning over the affair. I think if either the confide investigation or the circuit attorney uh, investigation in the city of St. Louis trends towards something criminal, then I think there's a, a potential that he considers resigning. But generally speaking, I don't see resign in his DNA. Mm-hmm. I think the governor's going to stay. I think he's going to fight to the best that he can, but he's alone right now. He's he's outflanked. He doesn't have a bunch of troops behind him. Um, his national fundraising is going to diminish. His calendar all of a sudden is going to be wide open because he's not going to be going to Iowa. People running for governor and U.S. Senate and other states aren't going to say, hey, Governor Greitens, can you come to our fundraiser so the local press can ask me whether or not I support you because of your affair in the blackmail investigation. So all of those things that he was doing in preparation to raise his national profile and run for president, that stuff's done. And so that goes away. Some of that national money goes away. And what you're left with is a lame duck governor in a state that doesn't have any money trying to run the state and, um, uh, uh, you know, move a budget through the legislature. Um, it's not what he signed up for. It's not what he was interested in. Uh, but there's a lot for the governor to do, and 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 perhaps he finds a second wind actually focusing on his job. You made reference to Josh Hawley and the separate issue that Eric Greitens has with the Sunshine Law. Where does that stand at this moment? So the what we know is that, is that Josh Hawley said, I'm going to investigate— uh, the governor's use of confide on his phone. Um, and the Kansas City Star reported about a week ago that Holly's office indicated that the governor's office is not being very cooperative in that investigation. Governor's office denied it, said they were. But it wouldn't be the first time this governor had to be subpoenaed by the state uh, auditor in order to to release documents for an audit of the Department of Revenue last year. So um, it's not an office, again, that plays well with others. And so if indeed the governor's office doesn't cooperate with that investigation or if that investigation finds a potential destruction of state records, 
then it doesn't go well. Then, you know, you're, you're talking potentially, uh, a, a, I think it's actually a civil charge. I don't think it's a, a criminal violation of, of open record statute and sunshine law. And there's not serious violations. But if the attorney general, who happens to be in the same party and happens to be an up-and-comer um, like Governor Greitens was a couple of weeks ago, um, decides to to file some sort of civil you know penalty against the governor's office while he's in uh, in office. That's a big deal. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. The last time we had something similar was when uh, Governor Nixon, when he was the attorney general, was investigating uh, Governor Matt Blunt uh, over uh, sunshine law violations, and that led to. Outside investigators, a court case, lawsuits, a settlement with a uh, with an employee from the governor's office who had been fired for raising questions about the Sunshine Law. It was relatively a big deal, and it contributed to Governor Blunt only being a one-term governor and not running for office a second time. So I think this has that potential. How much does what Josh Hawley is attempting to do with his career, you mentioned being an up-and-comer, and he... Uh, could very well be challenging Claire McCaskill if he wins the Republican primary for the U.S. Senate. How much of that factors into what he is obligated to do now with this? I think it clearly factors in. He's got a risk. So he's obviously job jumping as well. And and, and voters don't always take that well. There, there, there was a clip of him in an interview when he was running for attorney general that he's He's not a job jumper. He's in for he's running for attorney general because he wants to do that job. And literally less than six months on that job, you know, he's he's being talked about as a U.S. Senate candidate. And now he's you know said that he's running and all of that. So uh, that sort of contradiction uh, tends to not play well in voters minds. But so he's got a risk on one hand. He's got to defend the sunshine law. That's the attorney general's job. And he appears to be doing that. Not only is he investigating the governor over the use of the Confide app, he filed two lawsuits last week, one against uh, County Executive uh, Steve Stinger in St. Louis County for multiple egregious violations of the Sunshine Law, and one against a former county council chairman in Jefferson County for destruction of records. So he's clearly being aggressive. Those lawsuits and that investigation into the governor's office are as aggressive as I've seen an attorney general on the Sunshine Law in my time in Missouri, with the one exception of of Nixon's uh, investigation Mm -hmm. against Blunt. Three different uh, uh, civil actions potentially uh, against government officials. That's a big deal. Um, but he's got to win and he's got to and he's got to work hard at that and he's got to put the staff behind it. And so far, this attorney general hasn't necessarily shown the compunction to do that. As I wrote in, in a column last week, he's actually dealing with a Sunshine Law lawsuit uh, against uh, the State Department of, of Health and Senior Services, in which he's defending the state. This woman wanted birth and uh, death records, one of the most basic things you can imagine in state government. Not the birth certificates, not the personal stuff, just, you know, Joe was born in 1915. You know, Mary died in, in, in 2015. I mean, basic 
records that the state keeps that they wanted to charge this woman $1.4 million for and then ultimately said, oh, yeah, yeah, that was a mistake. We'll charge $5,000. And then ultimately, when the lawyer pushed back, they said, ah, we changed our mind. You can't have the records. So Josh Hawley, while he's pushing these sunshine lawsuits against uh, potentially against the governor and against uh, Steve Stinger in St. Louis County and a former county councilwoman in Jefferson County, he's defending this crazy sunshine law lawsuit against the state because it's his job to defend state departments. And so he's got this contradiction going on that that I think is in terms of a potential Senate race is not going to play well. Every time a politician does something like this, files these sunshine law lawsuits, there is a an immediate reaction by people in politics say, well, he did this because he's running for Senate. Okay, maybe to some degree. There's, there's, there's always that. And that's the danger of being a politician who runs so quickly uh, for a new office. He hasn't shown the state of Missouri yet that he knows how to be the attorney general. But at least in this case, you've got three different cases. Um, uh, the, the, the investigation against the governor, the lawsuit in Jefferson County, and the lawsuit in St. Louis County. Uh, one against a Democrat, Steve Stinger. Two against Republicans, mm-hmm. uh, including the governor, you know, potentially his big rival for, uh, you know, love and attention in, in, in Missouri Republican politics as the next big thing. Um, it's a lot of risk for Josh Hawley uh, if, if he puts serious prosecutors on the case and takes it takes it seriously and we see uh uh you know legal cases being handled properly uh and he gets convictions or you know guilty uh, admissions of violation of law or whatever and gets some fines against the county executive or against the governor or something then you know good for him I want to thank our sponsors here on the Tim McKernan show without them the show does not exist so we ask you to make sure you support the sponsors, there's a good chance that as you're listening to this, you're in front of your computer. And if you are in front of your computer while you're listening to this, go to carltoninsurance.net right now and just get a quote to see what's the good word. Ask yourself a question. What's my insurance company doing for me? Then go check them out on Google and Facebook and see what they're doing for others in your community. The good news is you probably already have the product that James Carlton offers. The bad news is If you're not with James, you're without questions, sacrificing service and likely paying too much. It's James Carlton of James Carlton State Farm. Give him a call, 314-961-4800. That's 314-961-4800. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. What is the relationship between Holly and Greitens before all of this? Are you aware of what kind of I don't of think they have much of one. Uh, my my to the to the extent that I know, um, I don't think Governor Greitens has a whole lot of strong relationships with any of the other Republicans in the state. It's one of the reasons why he's alone right now. Um in the political realm within Republican politics in the state, there is this general assumption right now that Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson uh, has the knives out and is sort of preparing to possibly, you know, become the governor if Greitens were to resign or or be charged or something like that. Um, Hawley clearly running for Senate uh, shows he's not going to sit back and 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 wait his turn. He's been identified by national donors as a potential 
you know, good Republican candidate. Um, he's he's a protege of of Jack Danforth. He's, um, I, you know, I think he's going to go his own path, uh, win or lose against uh, uh, against Claire McCaskill um, and an independent candidate, by the way, that I wrote about the other day. A gentleman named Craig O'Deer, who's a, a attorney in Kansas City, is talking about running as well. Could be a three way race if that happens. Um, Who does that uh, benefit? Who does that hurt? I would tend to think that it hurts Hawley more than McCaskill because O'Deer's a traditional Republican. Mm. He's a, but he's an independent guy. He's given money to Hillary Clinton. He's given money to Democrats. He's given more of his money historically to Republicans. He held fundraisers for Eric Greitens uh, when he was running for office, mm. and so. Um, I tend to think that it would hurt uh, Holly more, but it's hard to say. It's hard to say. It depends on how much money he actually raises and, and who he appeals to, who's, which, which voters does he go after. For, for those who are just starting to learn about Josh Hawley um, or might not even be all that familiar with him, uh, and certainly November 16 became a, a, quite a bit, of course, about Donald Trump and Greitens while it got attention, uh, not nearly as much as the presidential election, so with Hawley going up against Claire McCaskill, he's now potentially going to be battling Eric Greitens himself. What what similarities do you see from covering the two and what differences do you see from from covering the two? So so both Hawley and Greitens came onto the scene to some degree similarly. They 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 ran these outsider campaigns. Never been elected to office before. Uh new voice coming from the outside, young, decent looking family. You know, you saw their, their wife and kids in the ads, you know, made a big deal out of that. Um, and they both have suffered a little bit from the same outsiderist problem in that they haven't yet really shown that they can do the job that they were elected to do. It's not easy to be the governor. It's not easy to be the attorney general. There's a reason why people in politics traditionally work their way up uh, through multiple elections and, and understanding state government before they end up with such a big job. I'm not sure in either Josh Hawley's case or Eric Greitens' case, uh, they made the case that it makes a lot of sense to elect an outsider to a first-time big statewide office. Mm-hmm. So, so they're similar in that regard. Where they're completely different is Hawley is a lifelong conservative intellectually conservative Republican who uh, uh, went to Yale Law School, got to know Jack Danforth there, who also who had been to Yale Divinity School, um, uh, clerked under under Chief Justice Roberts, um, is sort of from that traditional intellectual conservative Republican uh, realm uh, in which he's fairly mainstream. He's not a guy who went to uh, the Obama inauguration as a Democrat and two years ago decided he was a conservative Donald Trumpian Republican, um, which is basically what Eric Greitens did. Hawley's a Republican and people know he's a Republican and he's doing what he can to make alliances within uh, the Republican Party. Um, But the outsider nature of both of their very quick rises is similar. And so that's something I think to still keep in mind with Josh Hawley. Uh, I'm not sure he's shown us that he knows how to be the attorney general yet 
why would voters then give him a promotion to the U.S. Senate? Um, to the extent that voters believe that that the U.S. Senate is a promotion. <laughs> when I was in, uh, I, I lived in South Dakota for a period of time, very, very Republican state. And yet at the time I lived in South Dakota, uh, both uh, U.S. senators from South Dakota were Democrats. Tom Daschle, one of them, was one of the most uh, yeah, uh, uh, powerful senators in, in, in the country. And uh, the the joke in, in South Dakota was always, well, we— we have two Democrats in the state, and we send them to Congress every year. Um, so, so not every voter views the you know uh, sending you to Congress as a promotion. Um, uh, and so, I think perhaps young Josh Hawley should keep that in mind as well. I had a uh, conversation here recently, and it'll, it'll air on the podcast network uh, soon with Blues uh, Chairman Tom Stillman. And uh, as the son-in-law of Jack Danforth, we were talking about Jack Danforth. Yeah. He's been on the show. He obviously holds him in high regard. Uh, kind of in passing, made reference to how, you know, it was sad commentary that he probably would have a tough time getting elected in 2018. Uh, and boy, couldn't we use somebody like him or George H.W. Bush, who he was when he was in the Secretary of Commerce or when he was working in D.C. in the Secretary of Commerce Department, should say. Uh, that's who he was working under, uh, kind of taking a shot at the current president. And uh, and then we got going on what he has dealt with in the city. And I asked for his commentary on the state of the city of St. Louis. And boy, that got him going. I mean, it got him really going. And uh, to paraphrase, he said, you know, you take a look at these companies around the country, Amazon being one, but others as well. And they're looking to relocate and they see what happened with the St. Louis Blues, who I think most people would say has been a pretty good citizen. And they would have to say, they eat their young in St. Louis. Why would we move here? And he said, I believe it is in the best interest of the region for the county and the city to merge for the number of dollars that are duplicated with services throughout the region and also to put ourselves in a better position to compete with other regions around the Midwest who have done the same thing. Uh, he goes, what are we going to be in 10 years competing with Des Moines? It's time to turn it around. And I knew that he was frustrated by what had gone on over the last year or so with uh, Kara Spencer and with the comptroller, but I didn't realize he was as passionate as he was. What are your thoughts on what Tom Stillman uh, had to say? When so, you put uh, a face to the merger, kind Sure, of a couple of things. Mr. Stillman's right, and and he's actually been out uh, publicly in favor of, of city-county merger for a while before uh, the Blues' current round of controversy, both in the city and the county, but I, while while I think he's completely right, and I hope he continues to advocate for that, I think perhaps his his reasoning is a little bit off. This idea that we're eating our young, I actually look at the two proposals that the Blues had, both for, for Scott Trade and the ice arena that they were going to build in a federally protected park in St. Louis County, and now they've decided to move it somewhere else in Maryland Heights. And I look at the fact that in both of those situations, the government structures that were around making those decisions were completely broken. And and the Blues were part of that problem by playing the city and the county against each other, by working to try to get incentives out of a city and a county that can't necessarily afford them. It's, it's not just that the city and the county didn't 
treat the blues the way Tom Stillman wanted the blues to be treated. It's that the government structure process by which those proposals were made were completely broken, much like the proposal for the city for the soccer stadium was broken because it didn't even involve the county, much like the discussion that's sort of quietly going on about what are we going to do with the convention center that needs some work and and the empty Jones Dome. Uh, if, if it's not a regional city, state, uh, city, county, statewide discussion, then we're, we're, we're just spinning our wheels. This is a region that has broken government because we have way too much government and that government doesn't cooperate and money just bleeds and, and um, repeats itself from city to city to city to city where we're spending uh, – money on parks over here and cops over here and a new city hall over here and a few blocks away a different city is is needs a new fire chief and a new fire hall and we don't we don't benefit from the sorts of regional cooperation that would ultimately attract an amazon or an apple or somebody like that look at some of the cities in that list nashville indianapolis 20 30 years ago both of those cities were in the same place st louis was a city separated from its county with multiple municipalities lots of government waste and no unity and now they're on the top 20 maybe they don't win but they're on the top 20 which Mm -hmm. says something they are a city they're each cities that are building somewhere Mr. Stillman's right. I think this is probably our biggest issue facing the city of St. Louis and, and, and the county of St. Louis and the entire region. I ultimately, and I think Tom agrees with me, would like to see the city and the county basically become one. On top of that, I'd also like to see most of the municipalities go away or at least lose their police and fire and, and economic development type power so that those things can be handled regionally. So this morning, I, I live in Wildwood. I live just off of Manchester, so I drove here on Manchester. I drove through Wildwood, Baldwin, probably a touch of Chesterfield, maybe not, uh, Ellisville, Manchester, Town and Country, De Pere, Kirkwood, and so the, at, at the very least, on one road <laughs> that looks almost the same the entire way is a you know a commercial corridor through St. Louis, eight different cities. Almost every one of those cities, if not all of them, have their own police department, have, uh, there's at least multiple fire departments, city halls, um, street crews, parks departments, economic development directors so that they can fight over whether or not Menards goes on this side of the street or that side of the street and how much money they're going to give. And so part of the problem is until we fix our government structure that is so massively broken, the St. Louis Blues of the world, the Menards of the world, the, the, the Walmarts of the world, they're going to play the system for what it is. They're going to play city versus county, uh, municipality versus municipality, so they can get the best deal they can. That's capitalism. That's what they're going to do. We have to fix the broken government structure so they can't do that. So that when it comes time to uh, go after Amazon, go after Apple, go after, you know, the next big thing, whatever it is, because St. Louis clearly has some capacity. 
uh, for, for growth and development in some of those areas. We don't have to get 20 people in a room to, 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 to just talk about how the heck are we going to cooperate. We've got one mayor, one economic development director, whatever. St. Louis is a wonderful region that should be a wonderful functioning city instead of a broken city and county and 89 municipalities all kind of acting like we're all doing our own thing. Have you seen polling data, recent polling data on how this plays throughout the region? I haven't. I know that that there has been some. My feel, um, which of course is super irrelevant, and I realize a lot of way government is getting done right now is by feel, but my feel is that there are a number of people, in particular younger, my age range, I suppose, that really like it. It's It came to the forefront with the Rams debacle and the MLS debacle. That's when you really started hearing it more. But that there's plenty of people in the county, and I, my sense is more in the county, who are like, absolutely not. I don't really know what the reasons they have are, but I'm just curious, because you're hearing a lot about it, if there is a groundswell for it or if it's just simply people talking and not actually movement. I think there's plenty of people in the county who understand it when you actually have the conversation. Uh, I was giving a talk on uh, this topic and others uh, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that that came up was, um, is it it county versus the city, city versus the county? And I I asked my audience to, to think about it differently. It's not about the city absorbing the county or the county absorbing the city, because some residents in both of those different uh, jurisdictions view it that way. If you're in the city and you love the city, you think the county's broken and you don't want that county taking over your city. Mm-hmm. If you're in the county, you look at some of the crime in the city and, and, and some of the rundown areas on the north side and a couple different pockets on the south side. And you say, I don't want to absorb that. Both both are looking at it wrong. We're already in the same region to the extent that our housing uh, uh, prices, our greatest assets are, uh, you know, as individuals, most of us, our house is our, is our, is our biggest asset to the extent that it is affected by what happens in our region. That's already the case, whether my house is in Wildwood or whether Wildwood ceases to exist and it becomes the city of St. Louis. I'm, I'm already affected by the crime in St. Louis by uh, uh, companies not wanting to come here or some companies wanting to leave. So those things all exist. We're not talking about a situation where the city absorbs the county or the county absorbs the city, but we redefine who we are. We, 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 we redraw the lines. We recognize that for St. Louis to succeed, we have to become St. Louis again. That's the key. And I think people I talk to in West County, conservative business people who have, for instance, businesses in the city or in multiple cities up in North County. I, I know a guy who's a landlord who, who has uh, apartment complexes that traverse two or three different cities. And when he wants to do something to improve his business, he's got to go to two or three different city councils and pay different, you know, the people mm-hmm. in this apartment complex are paying a certain, you know, building occupancy fee while people in the same complex are paying a different one, and he's got to figure all of that out and do his taxes differently because of the it's bad business. And I think I think the conservative Republicans in West County 
they recognize it's bad business. And so when you talk about our broken economy, our broken government structure in that concept, when Tom Stillman talks to his friends and neighbors and and business owners that he, you know, hobnobs with about that concept, they get it. Mm-hmm. In all of those one-on-one conversations that are happening, people get it. So the municipalities will pass their resolutions and say, this is bad. Ellisville will pass one in Wild One and Wildwood and Chesterfield and Florissant. And I think all of them, uh, most of them have already passed one. So what? I don't think the citizens actually care about that. The citizens care about their, ho- their home values, their public safety. Uh, do the roads work? Is my, is my business safe? Those are the things they care about. And, and I think if we look around the country and around the world, uh, a much more unified city is always, always more successful than, than what we have right now in St. Louis. Final question for you. Within 10 years, will the St. Louis City County and St. Louis City be merged? I think so. Um, I tell people it's going to happen in my lifetime. Um, Maybe maybe 10 years. It might take a couple of tries. It might be one of those things where, where it happens in bits and pieces. How would it have to go down? Would it have to be— Well, that's, uh, that, that, that's an open question. There is a lot of debate uh, amongst those who are talking about it, uh, about how, how it goes down, whether or not the city and the county could even vote to merge each other or whether or not because we are, um, uh, in effect, under state statute— municipalities and counties are arms of the state that ultimately if if the, is the legislature going to have to be involved or is there going to have to be some statewide ballot remember in 1876 when the city and county we were once together we were once one big city um when 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 we split in 1876 it was through a statewide constitutional convention and so this is a matter of state governance. It's not just a matter of city voters and county voters. We are the economic engine for the state. The legislature, in many cases, controls the powers that are granted to municipalities and counties as much as, as we do ourselves as voters. And so my suspicion is it's going to end up being some sort of a statewide ballot issue. And, and maybe there will be provisions where you have to have a percentage of votes mm. within the city and the county as well to make it, you know, it has to pass statewide and it has to pass by, a per, or, you know, some percentage in either the city and the county or both. I, I, I can imagine a situation like that. Maybe there's multiple votes, but, but I expect that the cleanest way to do it um, and it'll be controversial, but probably the best way to do it is through some sort of statewide vote. Tony Messenger. I appreciate it as always, sir. Good to talk to you. Great for to talk having to me. you. Thanks, Tony. So there it is, our conversation with Tony Messenger. I'm uh, I'm really curious what uh, what you think because this is a this is a conversation that then leads to the discussion of you know where do people stand on the city and county merger? Um, I'm surprised that Tony thinks it'll get uh, done within the next 10 years. Personally, I would like to see it done within the next 10 years. I'd like to see it done even sooner than that. I just don't know if it will. But then again, as Tony was saying there toward the tail end of our conversation, what is the actual protocol to get it accomplished? Uh, And that is a question that he was uncertain of how to answer, and I certainly am as well. So you have that element, much less the actual people who would vote for or 
against it. So what's your opinion? T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Uh, and uh, give your opinion on our conversation with Tony Messenger or any of other conversations. And if you haven't listened, please do subscribe to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. And if you can, leave a positive review on iTunes or wherever you may podcast as that helps the cause. We continue to bring what I would like to think are some very good conversations with some newsmakers, some people of interest in the St. Louis region. And uh, we'll do that every Monday, and then we'll have either a topical guest like Tony Messenger or questions from the audience every Thursday. And don't forget about the Cat Chat, also on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Jim Hayes of the Ryan Kelly Morning After in Fox Sports Midwest talking it over as only he can with members of the Cardinals and the St. Louis baseball media because of his rapport with them from traveling to all of the Cardinal games throughout the course of the baseball season. Thank you once again to our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, the sponsor of our studio. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Triad Bank, and Gateway Buick GMC. Please support the sponsors of this show. They make it possible. And thank you to the listeners for supporting the show. For John Seymour, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. 